Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And God, we just come before you, and you already know this about us, Lord, but sometimes it's hard for us to see or to feel your goodness. But God, we just come before you right now. We praise you that you are good. And God, now we also ask that you would open our hearts and fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might learn from you as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, it's Thanksgiving time, and at Cornerstone Church, what that means is it's time for our annual look at the book of Psalms. Every year since I've been here, since 2007, we have done a series in the book of Psalms around Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's four weeks. This year, because of the crunch of things, it's only two Sundays, so I'm kind of disappointed that that's the way that it has to work out. But we're going to spend this Sunday and next Sunday looking at two Psalms in the book of the Bible, and I, I love the Psalms. In fact, I would say that throughout the course of my life, this might sound a little gushy, but I I would almost say that the book of Psalms has been like a friend to me. Going with me where I have gone, helping me through the difficult times, um, helping me learn how to rejoice in the wonderful times. I I have spent probably on average, for many years of my life, two or three months of my own personal devotions time just reading the book of Psalms per year. Uh, and what I do now, a daily practice of mine, and if anybody wants to join me in this, you're welcome to do this. But every Sunday morning, I get up a little bit earlier than I usually would, and I, I read the Psalms. And I just, what I love about the Psalms, this is kind of my overall theme of the book of Psalms. It's from, ever we, from wherever we are to praise. That the Psalms teach us from wherever life is at, whether you're in the pit of despair or whether you're flying high on a mountaintop, the Psalms teach us how to go from wherever we are to praise. And we're going to see in Psalm 13, which we're going to look at today, one of the great values of praising God. I mean, obviously God is worthy, and and do we need any other reason than that to praise Him? But in our Psalm today, we're going to learn one of the great results that comes from praising God. And every year when I do this series on the book of Psalms, I like to preach it from at least one psalm that deals with the difficult circumstances of life. And we're just going to start off by doing that today. Psalm 13 definitely starts off in a difficult place. In fact, I would say that it's fair to say that, the, that Psalm 13 deals with what we might call depression or sorrow or anguish of the soul. Psalm 13 starts off in a really difficult place. Now, some of you may not be there right now in a difficult place. And what I just want to say to you first off is if you are not in a difficult season of life right now, if you're just rejoicing at everything that happens in life, please know that you might be here sometime. You might be here sometime soon. So remember what I'm going to say today. And then also, if you're rejoicing and flying high today, look around you at somebody who's not doing so well and maybe pray for them. Be an encouragement to their soul somehow because... We all go through these times, and, and none of us wants to feel like we're going through them alone. So, I want to read Psalm 13. The subtitle, which is actually part of Scripture, I think, it says, For the director of music, a psalm of David. And then verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fail. 
but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Now, most English translations divide this psalm into three parts, and we're going to look at this psalm in three sections today. And I was reading a commentary this week by a guy named Michael Wilcock, and he had such a great three-part description of this psalm that, that I'm, going to just, I'm going to take what he said and borrow it and use it for my own. But his three-part description of this psalm was pain, prayer, and praise. So we're going to look at the psalm today in three parts, and each of the, my three points are going to deal with one of those, pain, prayer, and praise. So point number one, it's okay to tell God your pain. It's okay to tell God your pain. I'm going to read verses 1 through 2 again, and I just want to ask the question before I do that. Does it surprise you that language like this is in the Bible? Listen to what, this is David, King David. We look at him as a model of the faith in many ways. And listen to what he said. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Now again, every one of us goes through difficult stuff in life. And one of the most difficult parts, I think, sometimes for us, is in those times when we feel like God is not acting the way that we want him to. Where the, the one person who we know can help us seems to be hiding. <coughs> seems to be not showing his face to us. That can lead us into a real dark place if we let it that it can be a pretty deep emotional pain feeling like the God of the universe is hiding. Now, we don't know the exact context of David's pain here. Some theologians have guessed that maybe it's when Saul was chasing him, or maybe it's when his son Absalom was chasing after him, or maybe there was just some sort of physical illness that could have been leading to, de to death. Or perhaps it was David's sin. We looked at adult Sunday school this morning at Psalm 51, where it was David's sin that led to this anguish of soul. Or it could have just been the circumstances of life having nothing to do with his sin. You see, sometimes we go through difficult times in life because we have made terrible choices and, and we've made our bed and we have to sleep in it. But other times we go through difficulties in life and it has nothing to do with our sin. Now, we don't know exactly what the enemy is that David mentions here. It could have been a person it could have been his own emotions, or it could have been, ultimately, Satan himself. But whatever it is, David felt like there was this enemy that was triumphing over him, or was in danger, at least, of triumphing over him. And David felt forgotten by God. He asked, how long? How long, O Lord? Four times in this psalm, he says, how long? It's a common refrain throughout the psalms, the, the psalmist often goes there and says to God, you know, how long am I going to have to deal with this? It's just another reminder. It's, it's okay for us to tell God our pain. He already knows that we're going through it, and sometimes just verbalizing it can be a healthy thing. Job did a similar thing. In Job 13.24, he said, Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Here in Psalm 13, David wasn't feeling God's help. Now, we know that God loves, right? We know that God is all-powerful. And we know that God is able to rescue us. So when God doesn't rescue us, that can lead to a pretty deep emotional pain on our part. 
And I think what we see here is David just being honest with God. And all too often in our lives, we get to that point of pain. I think what happens in us is we struggle to balance the idea of God's goodness on one hand with life's circumstances on the other. How can God be good if I'm going through this and God isn't doing anything about it? And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that's where our hearts are at. Sometimes we ask God, why? Why won't you be good to me? Why do you have to let me go through this all alone? Or perhaps you struggle with thoughts sometimes that run through your mind that you just don't want to be there. Do you, you ever get to that place where you just wish that there was a switch you could turn off in your brain and all of a sudden those thoughts would just stop? Now, I have never been clinically diagnosed with depression, but I will say to you that I have several times in my life gone through difficult seasons where I have struggled with these very same questions. I remember one time years ago going through one of these seasons of life and I heard a speaker at a, at a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting say that she had been diagnosed with depression. And, and I just, I was relieved to hear her say it, in part because it made me feel like I'm not the only one who struggles with things at times. Not that I was glad that she was struggling with things, but that I was glad to hear that I'm not the only one who goes through this. And, and if you're in here today and you're going through a difficult season of the soul, please know that you are not alone in that. In fact, this is simply part of what it means for us to be human. For us to enter into these times, these dark times, and for them to last longer than we want to sometimes. David felt this struggle. How long, O oh Lord? I think Jesus even felt some of this struggle. We read when he was on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what he was quoting there? He was quoting a psalm, Psalm 22.1. Now he was doing that in part, I think, to fulfill prophecy, but also in part, I think he was using the psalms to express his emotion to God. Why have you forsaken me? Again, it's okay to tell God our pain. It's a normal part of our human experience to have this emotional pain, these dark nights of the soul. So because it's normal for us to experience them, I think we need to know what to do when those times come. And Psalm 13, I think, has some wonderful things to tell us what to do. But before we move on there, I just want to answer a couple of the questions that I've already brought up. I, I brought up some pretty difficult questions about the human experience, and I just want to let you know that the Bible does have answers. So first of all, um, if you feel like you're enemies, and whether that's another person or your own emotions or Satan himself, if you feel like your enemies are triumphing over you, please know that God has won the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. We know that what Jesus did on the cross, his, his death and then his resurrection, he won a victory over sin and death and the devil. And God wants us to live in the fullness of life in that victory. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. So God wants us to have that abundance of life, even here. Now, part of that victory, yes, awaits heaven. But part of that victory, we can walk in now. And then second, if you struggle with recurring thoughts that you don't want floating around your brain, please know that to some degree, we have control over the things that we think. Now, yes, there are still going to be temptations. 
But what we don't need to do is to wallow in self-pity. I think that too often when, when we're, we're tempted to have those, those thoughts, those, those, things that, those thoughts that run around our mind and we just can't seem to get rid of them, all too often I think we let ourselves stay there. But let me show you what Philippians 4.8 tells us. It says, if anything is true, if anything no- is noble, if anything is right, if anything is pure, if anything is lovely, if anything is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a command from God to tell us, you don't have to dwell on those, those bad things. It, it's God's permission for us to think about things that are excellent or praiseworthy. So sometimes I, I've tried to do that for myself. If, if I see myself going down a road that I, I, don't, I know that I don't want to stay on for long, I'll, I'll think about Philippians 4.8. Oh yeah, I can think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So if you struggle to balance out God's goodness with life's circumstances, don't let your emotions win that battle. Know that Jesus has already taken care of it on the cross and know that we can choose to think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Okay, summarizing the first point here, it is a normal part of human life to experience emotional pain. And part of the process of what we should be doing then when we experience that pain is talking to God. And and that first step, it's okay to tell God your pain. He already knows we're going through it and he wants to help. And that leads to point number two. Point number two is that in pain, we should pray. In pain, we should pray. Look at verses three and four. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. See what's happening here? In verses 1 through 2, David feels like God is hiding from him. But in verses 3 to 4, David prays to God. So please know that God is not hiding. He doesn't take divine pleasure in playing a game of hide-and-seek. Now, let me use an example from my life. I do play hide-and-seek sometimes with my kids. It's kind of fun playing hide-and-seek. You know, they're, they're surprised every... Even if you hide in the same place seven times in a row, they're surprised every time. Oh, you're under the blanket again! Huh? But uh, some of you parents are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. But sometimes the way that hide-and-seek works in our house is that, that I go hiding and the kid goes looking and the kid can't find me. And after a while, then, it goes from this fun game of hide-and-seek to the kid being sad and scared and crying out, Dad, where are you? And I don't know about you. Maybe you're a worse parent than I am at this, but but when I hear that from my kids, I go running. Hide and seek is over and we are not playing that game anymore. God is a much better father than any of us. He takes no pleasure in hiding from us. So what we see from David here, even though he felt like in verses 1 through 2 that God was hiding, what he does next is he prays. He knows that God can hear. Some other verses that point this out really well in the rest of the Bible. I want to run through three of them real quick. Jeremiah 33.3, which by the way, somebody told me that's God's phone number. Maybe you can remember that. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Seek and you will find. Again, that's not, that's not a very good game of hide and seek, is it? 
Seek and you will find. And then James 4.8 Come near to God and He will come near to you. In whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we can seek God. And He loves to answer us. Now again, look at David. He was hurting and in that pain, he prayed to God. Now what we need to realize in our difficult circumstances of life is that we cannot rescue ourselves there are some things that come our way in life that we were just not meant to be able to handle ourselves. Now, some people might look at that and say, oh, bummer, well, I'm, I, I have to go through stuff and I can't even get myself out of it. Well, take heart in this. Is that What it reminds us of when we go through these difficult times is that God wants to sustain us. That's the wonderful message of this, is that, you know what? Sometimes life is just too hard for us on our own. But God wants to sustain. God wants us to seek Him. He wants to help us in these times. So take heart. If you're going through a depression right now, take heart that it is a strong foe and that it's, it's no knock on you if you can't handle it yourself. We weren't created to handle things like that ourselves. But if we go to God, He loves to help us. Now, my experience in times of emotional struggle is that one of the most difficult things to do in those times is to take my eyes off of myself. There's a a theological phrase from many centuries ago that says that we humans are curved in on ourselves or curved in on the earth. That our natural gaze is to look at ourselves, to look at our circumstances. And the difficulty in those times is to take our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and to look up to God. But if we do, what we so often find is help and relief. We get so caught up with ourselves, so caught up perhaps with these questions of verses 1 and 2 that we forget to go the next step. We forget to pray to God and seek help from him. So let's look at what David did. He says in verse 3, Look on me and answer. He knew again in his heart of hearts that God could answer. And then he prayed, Give light to my eyes. Depression can feel like darkness. And what David asked for here was for God to give light to his eyes. And just a quick side note, next week we're going to look at Psalm 19. And in verse 8 of that psalm, it says, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So one of the ways that God answers this prayer of giving light to our eyes is by reminding us to look at his word and to realize that his word is the word of life and that we will see him rightly as we look at his word. Okay, back to Psalm 13. In verse 4, it's almost as if David is saying, Hey God, don't let my enemies think they've gotten the best of me. Help me so that they will know that you are God. You know, one of, the, one of the really neat parts about our relationship with God is that sometimes God does things for us because he wants his name to be known. Sometimes God does things for us to make us shine like a city on a hill because he wants the other people to look at that city and say, What is that? Remember Psalm 23.3? It says of God, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Can you finish it for me? For His name's sake. Isn't that really neat? That sometimes our Christian experience is that God does things for us, wonderful things for us, for His name's sake. 
God wants us to live in those blessings. Our part is to seek Him. Not to wallow in self-pity, not to be curved in on ourselves, not just to think about the circumstances of life, but to seek Him in prayer. And I was thinking about Psalm 13, and I was looking at verses 3 and 4 and wondering, you know, is that like you know, the epitome of faith here? And you know, it's not like the words necessarily stood out to me so much as just the simple fact that David went to God in prayer. That's the real faith of this psalm, is that David went, he was in this place of despair, and he went to God in prayer. Now believe me, I understand how unappealing prayer can feel in those dark times. I've I've been there. It's like the thought is, I'm going through this difficult time and God's not helping me. Why should I go to Him in prayer anyways? But what we need to do is to remind ourselves that no, God's not hiding. God hasn't stopped being good. I need to go to Him in prayer. And again, that can be a, a real difficult battle for our emotions to get to that place. But that is where we need to get to. Wrestling in prayer if we have to. And and Jesus, again, is a great example of this. When it came time, closer and closer to the time of his crucifixion, his prayers got more and more intense. I think he was showing us a pattern of wrestling in prayer as our emotions are, are welling up inside of us. And look at it this way. Which way is it better to face emotional pain, with or without God? It, it's a, I was thinking about that this week. It is a sad thought to me to think of the people who are going through terrible, horrible stuff in life, and then they blame God and cut themselves off from the help that he would give them. Let's, let's not do that. Let's remind ourselves of God's goodness. And then I want to move on now to the third point. In spite of pain, we should praise God. In spite of pain, we should praise God. I want to read now verses 5 and 6 again. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Not only does David find the face to pray, he takes it one step further and praises God in the midst of his difficulty. How in the world does he do that? This psalm, which takes less than one minute to read, starts off with despair, and by verse 5, he's praising God. How does he do that? Well, Well, look at what David praises God for. His unfailing love, his salvation, and his goodness. You see, those three things are things that David learned through a lifelong relationship with God. Those are things that that David had already seen to be true of God by walking with him previously. So as David is struggling in the midst of his sorrow, he reminds himself to think about all the good things that God has already done for him. God's unfailing love that talks about there in verse 5, it's that, that word that tells us about God's commitment love to us. God has made a covenant with us. It's not that we've gone up to God and said, hey God, I'll do this and this and this for you, and if I do that, will you be good to me? No. One of the wonderful things about our relationship with God is that God has come down to us and said, here is what I will do for you. That is his covenant love, his unfailing love that's true for us even in the midst of despair. 
David goes on to say, my heart rejoices in your salvation. Uh, One of the best parts about this covenant love that God has for us, we now know this on the other side of the cross, is that in his love for us, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. That we were all in desperate need of a Savior, and God sent his Son, whom he loved, to die for us. And Jesus came as man with, with nerve endings and pain receptors, and he went willingly to that cross for us. And because God has done that for us, we can rejoice in that salvation. I think that the way that this world works, and it doesn't make any sense to me unless it works this way, is that God wanted us to know his love, and he did that by sending Jesus to die on the cross. All of human history hinges at the cross there, and God wanted us to know for sure that he loves us, so he sent Jesus to die for us. I don't think this world makes any sense without that. That is God's great love for you, and he wants you to know it. God is the God who saves. He wants us to know this love, and he wants us to know that eventually what that means, one of the entailments of the cross is that eventually pain and depression will be gone in heaven. We we studied heaven here. Uh, We did that four-week sermon series on it, and we looked at that verse where it says there is no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. Those things will be gone. God wants us to know that we can look forward to a time when everything will be made new. Now, yes, we may have to struggle with some of those things in the here and now, but even in that, God wants us to know that he is with us, and he has unfailing love for us, and even right now we can rejoice in the fact of salvation, the fact that Jesus loves us and died for us, and the fact that those who love him get to spend eternity with him. We can rejoice in those things. And then the last line in today's psalm is, for he has been good to me. We sang that one repeatedly for, for this reason here. God is good. He loves us. He saves us. And those things, again, aren't just true when you're going through a mountaintop experience. They are true our whole lives long. The hard part for us is to remember those things as true when we're going through a depression or a hard time. So how can we remind ourselves of these wonderful truths? Well, look at what David did. He said, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And he says, I will sing to the Lord. All three of those words are active words. These are things that David did to remind himself of God's goodness in the midst of his difficulty. He trusted, he rejoiced, and he sang. And I think for David, again, much of the confidence in this came from the, the walking with the Lord that he had already done in his life. He had already learned things about God's character so that when he came to this difficult time, he just looked back and said, oh yeah, God has been good to me. Now, for those of you who have been walking with God for a long time, have you seen God's goodness? When was the last time you stopped and just thanked God for the good things that he's done in your life? That's, it, one of the things that I try to do when I'm preaching is I, I try, to, try to say something that will you know, reach the Garland Carlsons of this world who've been walking with God for 128 years or whatever it is. But, um, 
And then I also try to, you know, give something for the, the newbie, the person who's just beginning this walk with the Lord. But for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, when was the last time you just stopped and made a list of things that you're thankful that God has done for you? Whether that's just a mental list and you're praying or actually writing it down in a journal or something. When was the last time you did that? My, my homework assignment for you is find a quiet place sometime today and just thank God for all the things that he has done to show his goodness to you. I think it'll refresh your soul and I think it'll strengthen you for the next time that you go through a difficult time. Or if you're in a difficult time, it might be just what gets you out of it. And then if you're one of those newbies and you haven't had much experience of walking with God yet, just, I just want you to know, God is good. If you walk with him, you will experience his goodness. You will experience his blessings. He loves to be good to his children. But for all of us, I think the battle can be summed up like this. As you are going through the midst of difficulty, do you believe that God is good? When we're going through these difficult times, the temptation is to think, God has stopped being good to me. Do you believe that God is good? I remember one of the darkest times of my life going through that battle, but not realizing that my soul was going through that battle. I thought I was just going through the battle of difficult circumstances in life. But what I came to realize is that it was much deeper. I was going through the battle of questioning whether God was good. And when I finally came to that point of realizing that that was the battle, it was clear for me to see, oh yes, of course, God has been good to me. And I remember singing the song in that time, Enough. All of you is more than enough for all of me. And rejoicing in my soul to say, yes, God, regardless of what I'm going through, in spite of what I'm going through, you are worthy of praise as the God who is still very good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In Philippians 4.10-13, we see the Apostle Paul's conclusion. Even though he was going through some terrible circumstances, he says, I've learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances, because he learned that God would strengthen him to face whatever was coming his way. So whatever it is you're going through, sorrow, or anguish, or depression. The temptation is to believe that God has stopped being good to you. But let me assure you of this. God is still good. And if we can remind ourselves to focus on that fact, we may very well get relief. So how do we do that? How do we focus on that fact? Well, we praise God. That's David's pattern here. And I, and I realize that praising God might feel like a very strange thing to do in the midst of your difficulty and emotional pain, but I think that's exactly what we need to do. And, and perhaps you feel like you don't have any energy at all to praise God or any desire to thank Him, but I think what we need to do is to remind ourselves, and, and sometimes we just need to grab our soul by the shirt collars and say, we're going to praise God now. And I think that the way this works is, you know, with our brains we say, I'm going to praise God even if my heart doesn't feel it. I think what happens in the midst of that sometimes is that God changes our hearts. That if we can get ourselves to get our focus off of ourselves and onto God, we'll realize that He is good and that He will help. So praising God is what we should do. And there's a lot of ways to praise God. One way is to sing a song. That's what David said here. I will sing to the Lord. 
Try doing that next time you're down. Or another way to praise God is to pray. And like I said, just list off that list of things that God has been good to you in. Or another way to praise God, and I heard this tip once in regard to depression, is to sometimes you just need to get up off the couch and do something productive. And I'll just add to this, get up off the couch and do something for somebody else. One of the ways we can praise God is to serve other people. So instead of letting yourself wallow in depression, maybe you get up and do the dishes when it's not your turn. Or, or do something for somebody else. Call somebody else that you know might be going through a difficult time and see if you can help them out. I think it's a great way to serve and to praise God in those times. Another way, like I've already mentioned, to praise God would be to read his word. To let your mind soak in his truth instead of the, the lies that you might, believing, might be believing that are running through your mind. And then another tip would be put yourself in, instead of avoiding, Christian fellowship. All too often when we go through these difficult times, we don't want to be around other people. But sometimes we get around other people and we're encouraged. We see other people singing and rejoicing and remember, oh yeah, that's what I should do. And you might even find somebody that you can talk with about what you're going through. But don't just focus on yourself. And, and let me take that one step further. It's not like we should take our focus off of ourselves and then on to the things of the world. Maybe you found yourself in some of these difficult times saying, well, I'll just watch a movie and then I'll feel better. Well, you know, I'm not against watching movies, but I'm not for watching movies as a way to get out of your emotional pain. That's, that's just running from it. The one we should run to is to God. Talk to him first. And then maybe after you've talked to him, you can say, hey God, can we watch that movie together now? And he'll be like, sure, do it. I can go for a good comedy right now. I don't know if God says that, by the way. Um, I noticed something cool about this psalm. I was, I was counting the words in Hebrew. I don't always do this, but uh, it just the way that it looked on my, on my computer screen when I was reading it, it looked like it just kind of broke into two neat halves and the last word in the first half was the word over me. You look at verse 2. How long will my enemy triumph over me? It's this, this idea that David thought that his enemies were going to pile on him and he was just going to be buried in the midst of disaster. But then look how the second half, the, the end of the psalm ends. It's the same word. It doesn't come out great in English, but it says, for he has been good to me, which is actually his good provision is over me. It's the same word there. In verse 2, he was scared that the enemies were going to triumph over him. But by the end of the psalm, he realized that God's goodness was going to flow over him. And I think it's a great reminder for me that we just need to take our minds off of our circumstances sometimes and just go to God, and he will help. We are not left alone in this struggle with emotional pain. So my conclusion in our battle with difficulties, we need the right perspective. We need the right perspective. True joy isn't just a matter of circumstances going your way. It isn't just a matter of whether the Vikings win or lose. That would be a bad year this year, wouldn't it? If that's, we would be like a ship just blown and tossed by the waves. Oh, it's going good now, so I'm good. It's going bad now, so I'm doing... We have a much stronger foundation than that. And yes, we will go through difficult times, but in those times, God is with us. And even when it seemed like 
It might seem like God is hiding from us. We can trust in his goodness. <coughs> Suffering and emotional pain are a part of our human experience. But the Christian perspective on suffering is that we are to realize we go through it with Jesus Christ. James and Peter in the New Testament even remind us to rejoice in sufferings. Both of them say, rejoice in sufferings. Uh, Peter says it because when we suffer, we can realize that Christ suffered too. Paul talked about how we have this fellowship of joining in with Christ's sufferings. And James talked about rejoicing in sufferings because it produces something much more valuable in us. In six short verses today, in our psalm, David went from pain to praise. Now, not every psalm goes like that. Some of the psalms are just simply psalms of pain. Psalm 88 is an example of one of those. Um, But even that one, even that Psalm 88, it's a wonderful pattern of just saying, God, here's what's going on in my soul. And, And I like the pattern here in Psalm 13 where it starts off with that pain but eventually it gets to this place of, oh yeah, God has been good to me. So I like to preach through the Psalms every Thanksgiving, just kind of as an annual reminder about how important it is to thank God. And the reason we do it at Thanksgiving is because it's such an appropriate thing. The Psalms teach us to thank God, to be thankful for what he's done. And I like to think of this as kind of an annual checkup for your heart too. How are you doing? Are you thankful? Or have you kind of found yourself just begrudgingly going through life? Are you questioning God's goodness? I just want to urge you to find the faith to express gratitude to God. And he will help. Nancy Lee DeMoss says, Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. Now we all go through stuff in life. I just want to remind you that God wants to be with us in the midst of that. That we can trust Him and pray to Him and even praise Him and He will help us. So will you pray with me? God, we thank You that You are with us, that You have not left us alone, You have not left us as orphans. God, we praise You for what You have done to show Your goodness to us on the cross of Jesus Christ and then also many, many, many times over in our lives we have seen Your goodness. So God, we praise you for who you are. But also, God, we come before you and we recognize that we all go through difficult times and some of us may be even going through really difficult times right now. God, I pray that we would have the faith to talk to you, to pray to you, and even to praise you because you are worthy in whatever it is that we're going through. God, we thank you for what we have to look forward to in our relationship with you in heaven. And we thank you for the fact that you are with us right now and that you are good. May we remember to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.